This is why small business matters from Northumbria University, supporting small businesses with the Help to Grow Management Programme. Hello and welcome to Why Small Business Matters. In this special episode, the podcast is on tour in the Northwest. I'm Professor Jenny Shirley, and we're focusing on how we support small businesses here at Manchester Met. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. Helen Tonks is the vision and drive behind the growth of the multi-award winning Hydraulics Online brand. From a business startup on a blank sheet of paper in 2004 to the northern powerhouse export champion and global provider that they are today, with customers across 20 sectors in 130 countries around the world. Helen is actively involved in local and regional education too, through providing career support to local high schools and real business engagement and learning opportunities to university students. Paying it forward really matters to her. In recognition of all of this, Helen was selected to join the Northern Power Women Power List, celebrating those who challenge the norm and use their influence and power for good, and then shortlisted for Mentor of the Year in 2023. Mentoring, coaching and supporting others is in her DNA. She says she simply can't remember or imagine not doing it. When Manchester Metropolitan University's triple accredited business school approached her to support their delivery of the government's Help to Grow Management programme, it was time for her to formalise what she'd already been doing for so long. And that's when she bore Inspires Me Consulting. So I'd really like to start by asking you about starting your first business, Hydraulics Online, in 2004 and how that came about. Um, okay, it came about through very, very personal um, circumstances, basically. Um, life was absolutely at a crossroads, personally. I'd um, done a very conventional thing up until that point of going to university, University of Bristol. I read economics and accounting, which was not my smartest choice in life. Um, but by 2004, I was fed up of sort of the corporate ladder that I found myself on and also back in touch with Mark, who was a childhood sweetheart. Um, so by that point, he'd got 13 years experience in hydraulic engineering and through my time at Barclays Bank and then a big life assurance company that I moved to afterwards, I'd stress, stress, uh, excuse me, I had specialized in strategic change management. So one day after work, Mark said he was fed up of being employed for a hydraulic engineering company. He said, I'd love for us to have our own business. So I said, go on then, let's go for it. So um, I always describe it as he was the hydraulics. I was the everything else. And here we are 19 years later, and I am not in the least bit technical at all. I could probably fill an A4 sheet of paper with what I know. <laughs> Um, but it's a, we're a really good, really good team. You know, he has the technical expertise and I literally provide everything else in terms of infrastructure, building the brand, etc. But yeah, it all came out of love, to be perfectly honest. And I'm not sure we had a huge plan when we started. We'd got four children at that point. So it was a bit of a juggle from the word go. Um, but yeah, we knew we wanted to elbow our way into this very established industry and do things differently. That's an amazing story. <laughs> um, and did it feel like a big leap at the time? Because obviously leaving a, a, a solid, I know you've got a background in banking and, and financial affairs in general, obviously they're often quite stable yeah. roles in large organisations. Yeah. Did it feel like a big leap of faith to take that? Yes. <laughs> but it also felt life was such a mess personally that it was like if we don't do it now when we've kind of got nothing to lose when would we do it so I was between employment so in many ways I wasn't gambling my salary and the security of it 
And I know many of my friends were basically saying, what's the plan, Helen? And for the first time in her life, Helen, and given that my day job until that point had been planning and implement, for the first time in her life, Helen had not got a plan. Helen was following her heart rather than her head. Um, so yeah, it was scary. And I look at, back at it even now and I think, God, were we brave? Were we stupid? I, I really don't know, but I just know that we had to sort of seize that moment and do what just felt absolutely right. I think in some ways it's like having kids. If you, mm. if you look back on the decision now and know what, how challenging it is, yeah. <laughs> you'd still do it, but you'd, yeah. you'd think about it in a different way. And, and I know the birth, 15th of December, 2004, <laughs> that's when, that's when you gave birth. That's when Hydraulics <laughs> Online was born. Yes. It's, yeah. it's a really amazing story. And, and I've read as well, um, that from the outset you had this, kind of export mindset yeah. so that and that's the real difference with your firm isn't it can you tell us a bit about that yeah so that, I'd say that's one sort of aspect of it I mean basically hydraulic engineering nothing new it's been around since the time of the ancient Greeks and the industry was and still is incredibly fragmented it's technical hydraulic engineering is, is complicated you know and a little bit of knowledge can be um, a dangerous thing, quite literally, you know, the, the pressures um, involved, it, it can even kill. And as I say, the market very, very fragmented and very much built around product distribution. So the big manufacturers dealing directly with their huge accounts, the likes of JCB, for example, and then everything else really taken care of by product distribution. And there was nothing about the customer in all of that. Um you know, even those who might know what they're looking for or think they know what they're looking for in terms of products or kind of systems design guidance, it was still a very difficult industry to navigate. So we wanted to be that hub, that customer-centric hub that joined the dots and refused to be tied in to any of the manufacturers. Um, we wanted to be able to start with the customer, give truly best advice and having sort of diagnosed what, what they they needed in terms of equipment and um, systems expertise, then go out to the market and, and source the best products and solutions for them. So it meant over the years we've refused to sign distribution agreements that would tie us in with anyone. So the fact that we wanted to be customer centric, people said, oh, that'll never work. And then when we said, oh, we want to be online, we're not going to go around door knocking. We want to be found at the precise time when the customers are searching in need. People going, oh, you'll never make an online hydraulics business work because that was quite a radical approach in 2004. Um, but hey, you know, here we are now, it's worked and it's why we named ourselves Hydraulics Online as well, because it was about um, getting over the fact that online is where you'll find us and where you'll access our expertise. We also knew that we didn't need to confine ourselves to, you know, the local area or even the UK and that our services would be able to support customers internationally. So hence Hydraulics Online again, because it sounded um strong it was a very generic it was a memorable name it did what it said on the tin and we knew it would travel and sort of translate well so but I do have to get this point in that um even though I'm not in the least bit technical I did win in terms of naming us hydraulics online because my husband wanted to call us Cheshire fluid power fluid power is another terminology for hydraulic engineering and whenever I'm talking to students and or anybody thinking about setting up a business I think our story is a really good one of how your name 
can really work in your favour or could actually kind of clip your wings a little bit could if you get it wrong. You as well. That's yeah. a really crucially important technical but, Yeah, but, but we just we just knew that we could, um, you know, trade internationally. And actually, we were trading internationally within our first month. So. And that's amazing, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. again, I think a lot of people think about small business growth in a in a more traditional way mm. and, and want to consolidate a smaller market first, which I understand. Mm. But it sounds like, and again, I know this is easier when you're looking back on it, but you had a really simple, different, disruptive value yeah. proposition there. Yeah. Um, and you followed it through. It sounded like you just had a lot of conviction in following that through yeah. and knew that it would work. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of my next question, really. Um, did you have to persuade people of that? Because I imagine customers yes. and suppliers were kind yes. of thinking, well, who are you? They're yeah. trying to get you to sign agreements. Yeah. How, how did you deal with all of that? Um, people were very, very sceptical. You know, we were the new kid on the block anyway, and there weren't, and there still aren't, a huge number of new entrants to the market. It's very traditional. It's the established players all the time. So here we were coming along, wanting to do things completely different. And, um, you know, people literally were laughing at us and, and mocking us and, um, we had to kind of prove ourselves, I guess. And it meant that we sometimes were a, a step away in the supply chain than we might, you know, further away than we might want to be in terms of the manufacturers that we were dealing with. But bit by bit, people kind of cottoned on to what we were doing. And whilst we were wanting to disrupt, we were disrupting with good intention. It wasn't about messing up, um, the supply chain or basically, taking part in a race to the bottom and trying to undercut people you know everybody needs to kind of you know make their margin and make their way it was it was none of that and it certainly wasn't about um selling inferior product or anything like that to try and um kind of make progress in fact the absolute reverse that's the one thing we refuse to do is is compete on price alone we want always to supply equipment that will you know to stand the test of time but it was it's been a real slow burn um but i would actually say that in many ways covid and the chaos that that caused kind of then became our chance to shine and and prove that we'd really taken the right approach and many people now and bigger players within the industry they actually recognize and they would say that we broke the mold and they actually say we were ahead of the game in taking that customer centric approach because um well covid did just throw everything up in Mm. the air i'd say things still haven't settled down supply chains are in in chaos and whereas people in the past might have had loyalty to a particular brand and their product line that isn't necessarily available to them to them now and the one thing that we're also finding, I mean, it's no secret that engineering talent, there's a huge problem here in the UK. There's just not enough people ent- entering engineering. And that's a huge, huge umbrella term. Um, but it's the same all over the world. And we find now that our customers need us more than ever because they haven't got the engineering expertise within their, mm. in their business as well. So they're coming to us very much needing to harness our expertise and I should say despite being called hydraulics online we have never sold online it's sort of click for a quote not click and add to cart because um basically if our our approach is that if somebody's self-serving online the quality of that sale is only going to be as good as the knowledge of the person who is self-serving if they put the wrong thing in their basket so to speak 
then when you know they're trying to fit that pump that motor whatever it may be um they're going to re realize it's not the right product and then you've got a return on your hand or it might be just not efficient or what, whatever there are so many reasons but we it's click for a quote so the website then basically brings the inquiries in and humans then get involved and that's in where it, it makes it it's, it's not necessarily straightforward but it means we can sell with confidence all over the world i think that's an amazing approach especially to have that in 2004 mm. when online selling was so much more nascent mm. and i think we've all done it we've all bought the wrong thing mm. from makeup to mm. houses <laughs> um if, if, if we're just getting something online and I, I, that makes so much sense mm. and also you talk a lot about your customer-centric approach yeah. and i think the online part being the way that people contact you mm. find you look at the products but then actually you, you bring in this customer-centric yeah. relationship focus bit and yeah. um, makes so much sense mm. that's really fascinating again quite kind of forward-looking for that time i think it's weird people say that but it just it, we just knew that was the right thing to do. And I think that's why, you know, we're still a, a small, we are a small business, but we've always punched above our weight. We've always thought big. Um, and I know this is probably where, you know, what I bring to the table and very much had that discipline that you would expect within a bigger sort of corporate um, setting. But in all of that, we've always been so purpose led and had a really clear vision as well and I think that's just hugely important mm -hmm. you know never more so than in these recent years as well I think as well um, you, you've talked before about how learning continuously improving mm -hmm. and changing is really important and I think that sometimes one of the challenges with small firms and entrepreneurs um, is that change is quite hard when yeah. somebody's had a kind of magnificent idea, but the world changes around yeah. them or something doesn't quite work. So can you give me a, a few bits about that, around how you've kind of learned and changed over the years from this really clear purpose? Um, well, I'd say there's a, a very personal answer would be that I'm always restless and I know that you can't stand still. And I stumbled across um, a quote a few years ago, I think it was Andy Grove from, um, he was the CEO of Intel, and I saw this quote and I thought, oh my goodness, that sums me up. I'm not mad. And he's known for saying, success breeds complacency. Complacency breeds failure. Only the paranoid survive. <laughs> and I read that and I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I think it's, it's healthy to have a certain level of paranoia, by which I mean stay on your toes. Never think that you've made it. Always be looking for that next thing, whether it's a big thing or an incremental thing. Just keep moving forward. Um and then I personally am very comfortable with change. It's what I did before when I worked at Barclays. It's what I did when I moved to a big life assurance company. And I actually love nothing more than a blank sheet of paper and the challenge of making something happen. Um, so personally, um, I know I'm, I'm very comfortable in that area, but, um, I would say it would be about six or seven years ago when I started um to really focus on my self-development again and that's when my um relationship with manchester metropolitan uni um began and really started to sort of build out my networks because the ideas for change and the stimulus for change can come in so many different ways and mm -hmm. through the most unexpected of conversations that or just somebody saying that one thing that triggers that light bulb moment um and i was very aware that um I, I wanted um, to kind of invest in my 
own development um, more, but be more open to these sort of stimuli because it's fair to say that up until end of 2017, I'd hidden in our business. I'd literally done the very brave thing of leaving a very successful high-flying corporate career to set up in business with my then partner, now husband, and having done something so bold and so brave, then perversely hid in the background and doubted myself. Um, I was obviously being mum to four children, four children then became five children. Um, but because I was this woman and a non-technical woman in a very male dominated and technical industry, I actually had a crisis of confidence. Mm -hmm. So I literally hid in the background doing the admin-y sort of stuff. I was working part-time hours initially anyway. It was a very big juggle with work and home. Um, and I kept quiet, quietly in the background, kept my head down. And we didn't even talk about the fact that we were sort of a husband and wife business because I just didn't think it would help. You know, we were, uh, people would go, oh, you know, we're normal. oh, she's the girlfriend. Oh, she's oh, the, uh, but, you know, yeah. so, um, yeah, very much hid away. Um, and it was at the end of 2017, um, after we won our first award, which Manchester Met sponsored, um, that I literally had this epiphany. And I do mean an epiphany. I was standing on stage in tears, accepting this award because it really, really mattered. And that's when I realized that, um, everything I'd been doing so, you know, hard in the background and keeping my head down and Google was my best friend at that point. I used to think that networking was a dirty word and LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, don't go on LinkedIn. Um, I realized that I'd obviously been doing things right and doing the right things and that, you know, trusting my gut instinct had, had been working well, but decided having won that first award that we were clearly doing better than right. I just decided to sort of step forward and own everything a little bit. How did a little that bit feel? More. Exciting yeah. because I felt that I was then sort of um, going to get back on a trajectory that in a way I'd left behind and mm -hmm. sort of giving myself the opportunity to um, punch above, you know, my weight again. And I, re I started to recognise that actually... Being the outsider, this non-technical woman, that was actually my superpower because I saw things really, really differently. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been so important in how we've sort of built the brand and the credentials and everything that wrap around it. I, I really realised that actually it was my, was my strength. That's an amazing change, a huge change. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting to kind of meet you and hear you say that you would never expect you to have had those feelings, but it's just, it, it, it's how things change. And sometimes these external validations can have these enormous changes mm. and can, can make you realize these things. And you did still say punching above your weight, which I don't think you are. I think you're probably <laughs> punching fully at your weight. You're clearly enormously successful. Um, and I wonder whether or not Part of that might be the, the partnership. It sounds like the, the, you've obviously, you, you work in a partnership mm. and, and that's how you set the firm up. Um, and that, I guess, allows you to, to, to sit back when you need to, but then also to kind of come forward when you want to do that as well. And, and part of that, I know, is that you've set up a, another business mm. in 2021, Inspires You, which I'm sure is kind of part yeah. of this story yeah. of you finding yourself. Can you tell me some more about that? That was the be the beginnings of this really close relationship with Manchester Met where sometimes I was a student and other times mm -hmm. I was there in front of the student 
in front of the students. So um, fast forward to 2021, um, one of the team from the Centre of Enterprise reached out to me and started um, to talk to me about Help to Grow Management, which was just being launched and asked if I would mentor on the programme. So that led to me needing to set up a second business, Inspires Me Consulting. Um, and the inspiration behind the name again, because again, names matter as far as I'm concerned with business, um, Inspires Me was because Inspire SMEs inspires me. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> but also um, mentoring, supporting, coaching others is what inspires me. Yeah, it's it's a two-way thing without a doubt so over the last two years um i've had the pleasure of working with about 30 businesses on a very close basis and i absolutely love it it feels a bit like my calling in many ways mm. and i love it for many reasons but um one big reason would be that it keeps me on my toes as well by definition and, and through Help to Grow, I didn't have any influence on who I was going to be partnered with in terms of size of organisation, um, whether I'd be working, you know, with an owner or somebody in senior management, what their role might be, what their gender might be, etc. So it was very much about being thrown in at the deep end. And I clearly didn't know what the business's challenges might be or the individual's challenges within the business. Mm. So it was fabulous for making sure that I was on my toes. I was thinking on my feet. Um, and I found it, I consider it a real privilege as well that people um, felt comfortable enough consistently to really, really open up and reach out for help because for many people, they had never had that one-to-one -one support before at all. Um, and being in business is desperately, desperately lonely. Um, I often say that the best thing about being your own boss is simultaneously the worst thing. And the best thing is that nobody's telling you what to do. Mm. And the worst thing is nobody's telling you <laughs> yeah. what to do. And actually reaching out for help is, for some people, a really big, bold move, particularly blokes, I would say. Mm. And I would say that I think, the, you know, the, the men that I work with got even more from it because they let their guard down that little bit more. And in fact, a couple of them, I remember them, um, they literally described it as their therapy, their time with me. They'd say, you know, I've, I've told my wife I'm not missing my therapy today. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's brilliant. And, and invariably, I've learned so much as well um, through, you know, through the conversations and, I don't know, probably in the region of 300 hours worth of mentoring. Um, learned so much, which has meant that I've being able to trust in my gut instinct even more mm. through, you know, just almost playing back in my head some of the conversations I've had, the advice I've given, how the mentee has responded. In a way, I've almost been able to sort of mentor myself at the same time, if that doesn't sound a bit odd. It really doesn't at mm. all, because it, it's all a self-reflective mm. piece, isn't it? And I think sometimes it's great to hear the feedback that you've got from the programs that you've done with us because mm. I think it's almost not about the content of these programs no. it is about putting people together with people they've never worked with before and trying to create this environment where people can 
be really honest because uh, the loneliness thing I mean I, I can totally yeah. understand that and especially when you've got all of the rest of life around yeah. it as well sounds really yeah. difficult yeah. it's that outside perspective again as well mm. where as the mentor you know you can come in and ask the really daft questions because to you they're not daft you know you really need to get under the skin of the business and try and understand why something is an issue or why something's always been done that certain way so again, it's about that idea of, you know, being the outsider can be a superpower. And, and therefore, if it's, you know, you as the mentee having a completely fresh set of eyes on your business, on your situation can be so, so powerful. And I know as well with some of the, um, the people that I worked with, you know, at times, for whatever reason, they felt a bit boxed in in their sitting, in their setting, in, in their situation. And I would say, well, if you, feel that that's a really awkward question to be raising at the next director's meeting or whatever it may be I said blame me <laughs> I said blame Helen say yeah. Helen's asking for this and I couldn't give her a, an answer but I'm seeing her you know next week and I want I said blame me so that's taking some of the loneliness out mm -hmm. though isn't it and the kind of confidence in taking mm. a decision and having you along there to support them yeah it's amazing. I think obviously you don't just pay it forward in that way as well. I know that you work with university students, but yes. also school students as yes. well. So tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just a sucker for a good course. I just, I really, <laughs> life's difficult, isn't it? It's never going to get any easier. Um, I mean, the, the, the chaos of recent years and the rate of, of change, etc. you know, and as, as humans, I use the word human deliberately often, you know, we're not born any better equipped to deal with what life throws at us now than we were a hundred or two hundred years ago we are you know we're, we're, we're just thrown into a faster paced more aggressive world than ever before and I don't know why I wouldn't want to pay it forward why would I not want to share my learnings my experience with somebody who is wanting to listen it's never about forcing it on they have to want to listen mm. you know there are some things in life we've got to figure out for ourselves heartbreak for example you know you've, you've just got to feel that pain yourself but if I could help somebody fast forward or um you know give an introduction or just yeah that one-to-one -one support why would I not do it so I do yeah with with school students typically sort of year 10 and upwards so the year before GCSEs for the last three or four years with our local high school in particular um I've run a session on their careers day um about running your own business which is fascinating it's become their most popular talk oh, really? um, yeah they were, i had to deliver it three times over this year it was <laughs> it but um so from year 10 through to undergraduates um typically those that then are involved in some of the entrepreneurship and through young enterprise as a vehicle mm -hmm. But again, it's about being that mentor, that sounding board, you know, that when the students are putting together their, their businesses in those sort of formative stages, um, having the opportunity to provide them with challenge and support so that they move forward with their ideas in the most um, robust fashion. But also guest speaking and sharing my own lived experience through hydraulics online Um because again, why would I, why would I not? I'm just a, I'm an open book. Anyway, just love it. <laughs> I think as well, I think that there's, there's nothing more powerful than seeing someone who's done it. 
Mm-hmm. And I think working with local schools, especially somebody who's in your area mm-hmm. and they can, they can actually picture themselves yeah. in your shoes is just absolute gold dust. And it's that moment of inspiration for people, isn't it? Yeah, and I think people, when they hear of Hydraulics Online and they hear that we are multi-award winning and that we hear that we are export champions, so we've been recognised by the UK government since 2019 as export champions through the Department for Business and Trade, and we've exported into 130 countries. People think we're huge when we're not. We're tiny. We're absolutely micro. But it's back to that clear mindset, mindset, Mm. vision, purpose i mean our vision is madly bold and we'll never get there in our lifetime but that doesn't mean that we can't be aiming for it and that the brand can't can't get there at, at some point because clearly it works <coughs> clearly it has yeah. it's 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 landed yeah. and, it, and, and it has worked really well you're listening to why small business matters find out how northumbria university can help your business thrive through the help to grow management program Delivered by leading small business and enterprise experts from Northumbria University with the support of leading figures from industry and experienced entrepreneurs. The programme supports senior managers of small and medium-sized businesses to boost their business's performance, resilience and long-term growth. The 12-week programme is 90% funded by the government and the fee payable by participants is £750 and has been designed to allow participants to complete it alongside full-time work. The in-depth, high-quality curriculum supports you to build your capabilities in leadership, innovation, digital adoption, employee engagement, marketing, responsible business and financial management. By the end of the programme, you'll develop a business growth plan to help you lead your business to realise its potential. To find out more about the programme, the modules, eligibility and fees and delivery dates, go to northumbria.ac.uk slash help to grow. You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. Today, the podcast ventures to the Northwest. I'm Professor Jenny Shirley from the Centre for Enterprise at Manchester Metropolitan University, and my guest is Helen Tonks, Managing Director of Hydraulics Online. We obviously kind of touched upon personal life and how that works, and, and the, the number of kids is slowly growing as we talk, as we talk <laughs> through your, your history. So now you're at seven, yeah, which again is is just incredible. I'm sure for many of the listeners mm. to think, how on earth do you, do you juggle these things? Mm. So, do you have any words of wisdom for us there? Or uh, I don't know. I am, and I should say, so seven is with marks two, my two, a joint one, but we raised all five at home. We had all we had all five, so it was yeah, seven of us to feed every night. Um, and then sadly, Mark lost his twin brother two years ago, and and that left two children as well who kind of late teens, early twenties, but they were estranged from their mum, so we took them took them in as well. I'm just really restless, and um, of all, um, again with my background in kind of project management, I'm very sort of delivery focused. I um, I want to feel like I've moved forward every day and done something, um, and that. I can kind of look back and go, yeah, that was a, that was a good day. And again, it's back to the not being complacent bit. Mm-hmm. And it probably also, um, links back to, I mean, I've struggled. I might sound like I've got everything together, but I promise you I'm, I'm as vulnerable or as human or as riddled with anxiety sometimes as the next person. And I have struggled with my mental health. I had professional help, um, four years ago <clears throat> and, um, unpacked issues that I hadn't really dealt with from childhood 
Um, and a big part of my restlessness and my big sort of ambition is nothing to do with wanting money in the bank, wanting fame, wanting fortune, wanting stuff. I realized through having professional help that I was actually chasing and trying to build security, security that I felt I'd never had mm. when I was younger. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, put all that together. <laughs> I'm never one to rest on my laurels and I'm, as I say, um, never one to be complacent and there's always a bit of opportunity to be better at, better at something and to learn and to grow. And it's an incredible story. I think, so I saw your, your mental health post on World Mental mm. Health Day on, on LinkedIn and, and, and like many people found it really inspiring and, and, and touched me very personally, right. as I think it did with many people. And you've talked before about how you don't feel any stigma around this. But right. I know in general, in business, there, there is a stigma around mental right. health and with entrepreneurs. And I'm just wondering how you've navigated that, how, how you've reached this place of, of, of no stigma, whether or not that's just how you felt to start with. Um, I've always been a very um, open, open book, open person and... Um, that's not to say tell everything to everyone at any time, any place, but I've always been, um, <clears throat> very comfortable in, in who I, who I am. And, but I, I did really, I, I did get to quite a, a, a sort of dark place. I'd been struggling on and off for four years with anxiety and it got to the point of constantly feeling physically sick and that knotted stomach and having no appetite and I was catastrophizing in the extreme it was ridiculous I would have regular bad dreams and it would they would largely be around the nice life that we had built for ourselves suddenly being snatched away mm. and being taken to a setting that I grew up in of a living in a not very nice house in a not very nice street and etc etc um and Christmas every year would finish me off. It would tip me over the edge because being mum to such a huge family, Christmas was a big gig. Yeah, to imagine. Particularly when my husband, God bless him, still believed in Father Christmas, I think, and it all just was there on Christmas Day. So I would start Christmas in about July, trying to find those little stocking fillers and build it up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, your mum and your in-laws and everything else. Well, what can we get the kids? And all of a sudden it was, it was just a really big um project to pull off so I would get to Christmas and um yeah almost crumble but it's the time of year when we actually shut the business for two years because the industry kind of closed down so New Year's would come around again I think right okay I can do it I can push through push through another year but after about my fourth Christmas like that I thought this just isn't right and I don't want to lurch through to the next year um and I was actually in tears one evening and my then 16-year-old son basically said, Mum, I think you should listen to some podcasts or something, which was actually really sound advice because yeah. I'd never listened to a podcast before. And I said, okay, find me a couple that you think might help. So he did. He did the research. And within 10 minutes, I was hearing people sharing stories, thinking, that's me. I feel that. Mm. I've done that. And all, all of a sudden, not feeling so lonely, not thinking that I was someone that wasn't wired properly that I was experiencing something that others had experienced um so yeah that was kind of the um all that I needed to then make contact with a counsellor and I was booked in on the 2nd of January and finished my sessions just as Covid locked us all down 
Oh, right. Great. <laughs> so no, no, it was actually really good timing because I then got a perspective that I had lost and I realized that even if we as a business didn't survive and we did, as I say, it turned out to be our chance to shine, that it would be okay. It's really interesting that, and again, it's it, so valuable that you're so open because I do still think it's the case that, that people aren't, but what you're describing needing to hear your story back to you and stories of other people is exactly what you give business owners as a mentor. Mm. Is is there is your reassurance to them that you know mm. what they're going mm. through and you've been in their position? Not necessarily about mental yeah. health, although I'm sure that probably does yeah, come into it, it sometimes. Been. Because I think sometimes as entrepreneurs and, and, and as small business owners, there's a real compulsion to always be okay. And it sounds like, especially with such a large family, kind of linchpin of it, you've got to always mm. be okay. Yeah. Um, and and then what often kind of <laughs> suffers is 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 your mental health because you're keeping everything else yeah. kind of in line. So yeah. it's the, the kind of the power of hearing what someone else is going through to kind of make that change is just enormous, I think. A friend at the time, um, as I was about to start my counselling, she told me of a saying, and again, it, it rings so true, you know, you can't pour from an empty jug. Mm. <clears throat> and I realised the hard way that actually it's a bit like, you know, put your own life jacket on first, isn't it? I could only function well as a mum and as a wife and as a daughter and, you know, as a boss at work and everything, if I myself was functioning well. So not easy at all, but started to try and take that time, you know, for myself. And again, I've seen it through um, mentoring and, and what just fills me with absolute joy is when somebody having had a session, they've shared that problem, that worry, or they've, you know, that light bulb has gone on and they've found that inspiration, that confidence, whatever it may be. And I know that they are going to then be, for a period of time at least, you know, that better partner, spouse, mum, dad, you know, husband, wife, whatever it may be, because they feel more settled and more in control and they've got a way, a way forward. Yeah, that makes total sense, mm. I think. And, and in terms of what small firms can do to support their employees mental health I'm aware of how large a question that is mm. um but do you have any insights in, into that into how um other people can kind of support others in in this way I mean it sounds like mentoring or, or having external people to speak to might be a great idea but I don't know and it's it's easier for some of the bigger corporates isn't it when they have big schemes and there's yeah, more structure absolutely. and everything around it but I would um and 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 smaller businesses haven't got you know, that privilege. And in fact, if, if I ever feel that I need support and I need topping up, it's, it's into my network that I go because mm. again, I've got, you know, good girlfriends, but the things that keep me awake at night every now and again, aren't the sort of things that they would be able to help me with because yeah. it's business and, um, and what have you. So it would be around, um, reaching into networks, I think. And obviously, again, you know, every, every small firm is, is different. But if you are the, the owner in that smaller firm, it's taking the taboo away if you can and, and making sure that, um, people feel comfortable to kind of bring their whole selves to work. That doesn't mean the, the argument that they had last night or the chaos or what, you know what I mean? It's, but it's yeah, about absolutely. knowing that actually, if there's a real worry, it's not always right to, bottle that up and and kind of try and confine it to out of hours time as well and we, we very much do do that and being a real person mm -hmm. including many different yeah, that makes so much sense and sometimes I think 
one of the things that COVID might have given us in terms of working so flexibly was kind of acceptance that people have families and that they, or or if they don't have families, they have other things in their life that can affect things. Um, And that kind of flexibility or or thinking about people as more of a whole person, Mm. I think might be a good Mm. thing that came out of it. Obviously not in all cases, but I think in some cases. So obviously you've got a a huge amount of corporate experience in in banks and other areas. um, And now you work in a small business and you founded that with your partner, now husband. So for the listeners of this podcast, could you tell us why do you think small businesses matter when you've had such experience of both areas? I think small businesses matter because that's where the real exciting stuff happens. Mm. You know, we, there's times when I wish I had more resources to pull upon a, a, a bigger team in, in, in the main to kind of make all my bright ideas come to life. Cause I'm sitting on, on so many because, um, in, in many ways, some of the bright ideas we can't almost like overstimulate demand. We've only, we've only got a sort of certain amount of capacity that we, we, we can um, respond to inquiries but the brilliant thing about small businesses is that we can be so innovative so agile so responsive we can pivot and um I, I see it with some of the organizations that we work with they are that that big oil tanker on the water that can't turn around fast enough mm. and um yeah I think a small business is where the real exciting stuff happens and also from from a personal point of view I've often joked that having the family the size that we are and life happens it throws you curveballs I've been in the back of an ambulance many times with blue lights on because things have just think life has just not sometimes been fair but um as a whilst it can be lonely and whilst you invariably don't switch off I think having your own business as well gives you a huge amount of flexibility as well that again big corporates don't always offer and in fact one of our team um used to work for a big bank and it was only on joining us that she could go to see her son's sports days and things for the first time so I do think on the whole small business we're we're much more human there's much more compassion and I think probably more sense of purpose that you're doing something worth worthwhile yes there are challenges but i think big corporates sometimes get a bit lost in what they're about and where they're aiming for and what their purpose really is i guess you can you can see much more closely the outputs of your work as well and the outcomes of your work as you're working together towards something and kind of on that pivoting and and, and flexibility we've talked about change mm. um, and how comfortable you are and you, you light up when you talk about it. It's ex- exciting for you, but do you have any tips for people who, who maybe want to embrace change a little bit more, want to develop kind of new things, but might not be aware of where to start? Um, well, whether it's not knowing where to start or, or lacking the confidence to do it, because change is scary. And I know I can even say, I don't want to paint, paint the picture that it, it's all, um, been a, a bed of roses for us. So we, we moved, um, off network software and up into the cloud in COVID. I decided to take the opportunity to, um, to move us. And Mark, my husband was desperately anti it. Mm. It, it was a really interesting time to be in business with your husband because, <laughs> you know, he's an engineer as, as are many others in the team. And they want to know that if you do X, Y is going to happen. And it's all very predictable. You can it's touch all very something. controlled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously change often, you know, you can do all the planning, all the preparation, 
but you've still got to take a deep breath and take a big leap of faith yeah. and know that there are some things that you can only sort of work out at the time. So there was a nice bit of healthy tension at that point, she says politely. <laughs> um, so it would be, obviously, whether if you've got a particular idea but you're feeling out of depth, it, it's going to be reaching into your network, your local you know, business school, because there's invariably going to be support there or someone that can put you in touch with somebody who's already taken those steps and who is willing to sort of share their journey and their insights um and i think as well today with um the, you know the the world post covid and you know webinars and everything they're just so commonplace and i think that's the beauty of this hybrid world now mm. is you don't necessarily have to take a day or a big chunk of time out of your diary to educate yourself and to join and and even if it's just in listen mode join in on a conversation and learn so at the moment for example i'm fascinated by ai and what that can do many people are um and i'm trying to immerse myself in that to better understand what it could mean for us as a business and what steps we could start to take to to better prepare ourselves for going on that journey ai is quite interesting i think because there's a there's a there's a real kind of opportunity yeah. threat situation yeah. isn't there yeah. and i think a lot of small firms in particular are really feeling that yeah. because they might not have the resources or obviously of the, of the large corporates be able to deal with that. And the, and the way that you're looking at that is by learning yeah. and, and, and understanding. And it, it sounds like your advice is a lot along the same lines of the what you do with other people, which is reaching out and yeah. it, the, gaining perspective yeah. and, and understanding where you are and that other people might be in the same situation speaking from a business school perspective it's exactly this time that we're fascinated to talk to small firms as Mm. well to find out what makes people tick and and how things can change so yeah so you talked about being of course the the core component in the business and hiding for a time um, and kind of reaching this moment when you won the award the epiphany Mm. um if people are at that stage and they they want to kind of come out of their shell and, and, and and reach out more do you have any advice do you have any advice for those people Oh gosh, I don't know. For, for, I say for 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 us, for me personally, it was that award win, and actually, mm. even if we hadn't won the award on that night, we won two actually. Um, <laughs> Which was the other one? Um, excellence in customer service. Just that small thing. Just that small thing. Yeah, <laughs> we'd uh, yeah. So we were twice on stage, and twice I was on tears in tears. Um, for, for me, even if we'd not won that night, the process of being shortlisted was so valuable mm-hmm. as well because that gave validation in its own right. And, and upstream of that, the process of actually pulling our entries together and reflecting on our journey up until that point had been hugely powerful because it's very easy to kind of constantly look forward at what you've still got to do. And I'm the worst for this, you know, that to-do list and not actually give yourself credit for what yeah. you've done already and how you've come to be where you are now um I don't know it's about getting out of your comfort zone isn't it and I I used to think that networking was such a dirty word and think that if you went to an event it was about everybody trying to sell to everybody else Mm -hmm. and go to that breakfast meeting breakfast meeting but um, try and come away with having foisted your business card on somebody but realistically I knew that I was never going to go to an event where anybody would want to buy hydraulics because <laughs> even even though they're used everywhere the chances of somebody needing them and even if they did they wouldn't be speaking to me because I don't know anything technically so um but it's about realizing that behind businesses there are humans 
Yeah. And there are some fabulous conversations to have and what you can take so for granted in your self and, and think is nothing special could be gold dust to somebody else. So I think this, and I think businesses are getting better at it. And again, I think again, the hybrid world where online networking and, and it's so much easier and perhaps you don't have to invest yourself quite so much to turn up on screen than you might if you were to walk into a crowded room. But I, I think for the most part, everybody's got everybody else's back. There's not many people that want to see somebody fail, you know, or, or stick their leg out and deliberately trip them, trip them up. Mm. And businesses can learn so much from each other. And again, mentoring has provided me with loads of proof of that, that I have not often, you know, often not stepped anywhere near close to certain industries. And yet I can offer a perspective and, you know, businesses can be so very different, but there are also threads that bind us all together. We're all grappling with the same sorts of issues at the end of the day. And we're not that, people. yeah, and we're not that, yeah, and it is, it's the people. We're not, you know, we're not really that unique. Thanks so much for joining us, Helen, today. It's been fantastic speaking with you and understanding your insights and your experience. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. It's flown by and hopefully I've, I've said one or two things that have resonated with others. I'm guaranteed that you have. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks once again to my guest, Helen Tonks of Hydraulics Online. And if you'd like to find out more about her business, then please do visit hydraulicsonline.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and listen to some of the previous ones ready and waiting for you now, covering topics such as brand values, engagement and knowledge exchange, and how universities such as ours can help your business thrive. From me, Jenny Shirley at Manchester Met, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Why Small Business Matters. Bye.